Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 845, air date December 2nd, 2020. On YouTube, as well as VA Shiva Live, and also on Periscope. So wait till people join. So here we go. Good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I hope everyone's doing well. We're waiting for people to join on our other platforms. And uh, it's interesting. I'm not seeing any, anything coming in yet. We'll see what's going on. Jen, I don't see anyone joining yet. Oh, there we go. Okay. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. To people um, out there, hope you're having a good evening. It's uh, 8.26. We'll start at around 8.30. We'll wait until people are coming in. Great to have you. Today, um, as many of you know, let me share the title of the talk. The title of the talk is Masks and Oral Health. And many of you know I do a number of things, but one of the hats I wear is I am a scientist. I'm a systems biologist. That's what my training is in my PhD work, separate from the computational work, the pattern recognition stuff. But the systems biology training uh, is something I use through my research. Um, and what I'm going to share with you today is a uh, talk that I presented uh, with others at the International Center for Integrative Systems. We did a talk on masks and oral health. So um, typically what we've been doing is we have people who are part of the Truth, Freedom, Health leadership team. And I'll talk about that. And we do these talks um, in a private way, get people's feedback and then we share them out to the public. And that's the model we're doing. So we're going to wait for people to join. But today's talk is really going to be about masks and oral health. And we're really going to dive deep into what I call the history of masks, the systems biology of periodontal disease, you know, gum disease that occurs to uh, a large number of people in the world. And then how the wearing of masks affects the microenvironment around your mouth and really supports this. And the, the this talk is really not... Uh, aim to take a pro-mask or an anti-mask side, but it's really to illuminate people on whatever side you're on, that there's a different perspective we need to look at, a scientific perspective to uh, understand what happens when we cover this part of our mouth. You know, uh, uh, for you know, sometimes people are doing it. Um, I have people work in the healthcare industry. They're wearing the N95 mask. They're doing it for eight hours a day. And others of us are wearing it uh, in public places. Uh, everyone's body chemistry is different. You know, we've talked about precision and personalized medicine, the right medicine for the right person at the right time. So we really need to look at the mask uh, wearing in that context. So I hope you're going to enjoy this. Um, there's a lot of information coming your way. Uh, but one of the most important things we need to understand is that there are people uh, who have been uh, stating on one side saying, hey, look, okay, I don't know if the masks work or not, but hey, it's not gonna hurt anyone, so just wear it, you know, stop arguing with us. And then you have the other side of the world where people are saying, I'm not gonna wear masks, really focused in on the First Amendment issue and the civil liberties issue. No government, no agency should be telling to meet forced masks. So you have this dialectic. And what I wanna do is to hopefully unify people with some science, um, which is really looking at the latest research about masks and periodontal disease. One of the most important things I want to share is that for the last three years, we've been doing a lot of work uh, using the Cytosol technology to really understand what goes on at the molecular systems level of periodontal disease, also known as gum disease. And then more recently, we started looking at the what do masks do? 
and how do they affect the microenvironment and integrating that microenvironment changes, which could be increase in temperature, as you're going to learn, increase in acidity and how they affect the conditions of periodontal disease. So we have some very, very powerful research to share with you today. Um, yes, and I'm getting a lot of comments. People were very happy with the work, uh, the, the science, the, the math analysis our team did um, at the recent Arizona hearing. But today you're going to hear the, the, uh, the systems biologists in me. Um, many of you also should be aware that we recently launched um, a, a, a very, very cool initiative. It's really the movement to support truth, freedom and health. As many of you know, our Senate campaign, we are fighting in the courts right now to stop the decertification of the election. But our Senate campaign has extended to something much bigger, much more profound um, on the website vashiva.com. We have opened up a number of educational plans. And, and what I want to share with you today, if you go to vashiva.com slash join, we're just in the nascent stages of starting this. So be patient with us, but we're expanding our movement and you can go read about it. It's really an educational movement. It's about join and support the movement for truth, freedom and health. vashiva.com slash join. I want you to listen to this video. It's really about weaponizing yourself with knowledge and uh, it's free to join the movement. Everyone can join in. Um, but if you want to support the movement, uh, we have a regular weekly workshop I'm doing to really educate what I call truth, freedom and health leaders. And obviously you can support us. As many of you know, uh, when you support a movement like ours, I don't want to just take money from people, but we also want to offer you education. So we have various educational programs we're doing where you can train to become a leader, train to become an educator, learning system science learning the science of systems health, learning political systems theory. So it's a very powerful set of uh, educational plans we've put together for all of you who want to support the movement. But in fact, watching this live now, we're also starting to build infrastructure for that. So I want to let everyone know about that, that this is something that's coming. The uh, vashiva.com community we're building for truth, freedom and health. Anyway, having said that, let me jump right into today's talk. And, uh, the talk today is really about masks and oral health, and um, we'll take a couple of breaks in between. I'll check in how you guys are doing, but here we go. So um, the history of masks, if some of you may have been involved in our small collective um, when we did this, but the history of masks goes back all the way to the medieval era. And as you can see in this, um, you know, this, this uh, picture here that was done, uh, this lithograph probably, and it's the and the earliest documented use of masks was in the 17th century by doctors. And they're called beak doctors, as you can see the masks they're wearing. And they used to wear these when they were treating the plague in Europe. And these masks were supposedly filled with herbs such as clove or cinnamon, as well as liquids. Many of you may know clove is a very powerful antiviral and an antibacterial. And they were meant to protect from the blight, as they called it, or airborne miasma, which was considered the cause of the plague back then. But it goes back all the way to medieval era. And I'm sure if we did longer history, we may find it in other cultures goes back even longer. But the modern era of masks, a development traces its history to the emergence of the germ theory, right? That all, you know, disease came from the passage of germs. And they used to call it the mouth bandage masks, as you can see on the left. And it gained popularity in the medical community around the 1890s. And the surgical masks, as you see on the left, appeared in operating rooms you know, during the 1920s in Germany and in America. And it was initially only used by nurses and interns, and, but not doctors, very interesting enough, in, by only nurses and interns. 
And obviously, uh, when the Spanish flu epidemic hit, you can go look at old articles um, that occurred, as you know, between 1918 to 1919. And the common people, and not just medical professionals, were mandated to wear gauze uh, masks to limit the spread of disease. And non-compliance led to fines. Sound familiar? Uh, public ridicule, and sometimes even jail time. Um, but even then, the efficacy of these masks was widely uh, questioned by the medical establishment. And um, what's important to understand in the context of what's going on today, this is where I believe the relevance is, there was controversy on mask wearing then. There was a pro and anti group. One position uh, was uh, supporting mask wearing as a way to stop the Spanish flu. There was the Anti-Mask League, and you can see one of the posters here. Um, they fought against a mandatory or compulsory, compulsory wearing of masks. But the, uh, this, I hope, helped shape this context of today's talk. In some ways, history is repeating itself. We supposedly have a quote-unquote pandemic, and there's a lot of edicts being issued by governments that we should wear masks, that masks are the way to stop it, and et cetera. And um, uh, that's where we're at today. Uh, and so the controversy continues today. In modern times, uh, you can see people putting up um, uh, notices like this, you know, you, you, no entry without a face mask. And the work that I gave, the research that are at the center I work with is really dedicated to applying a systems approach to go beyond the pro and anti dialectics. And a systems approach offers as a way to appreciate the complexity and to gain insight. So when you don't take a systems approach, you basically divide people on any issue. Those who believe election fraud is taking place and those who don't. Those who are pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine. Those who are pro-GMO, anti-GMO. But if you go to a systems approach in any one of these issues, you find out you can get to the heart of the issue. When in election integrity, for example, as I brought out, the real issue is a weighted race feature. That's what we should be focusing on. And that can unify people because we can talk about why is there such a feature that exists? When we talk about pro or anti-vaccine, the real issue is the right medicine for the right person at the right time. As many of you know, my position is blanketly telling everyone to be forced vaccinated, taking a set of vaccines is anti-science. And so when you take a systems approach, you can really get at the heart of the issue. And that's what we're gonna do today. So. Let's talk a little bit about some of the embryonic stuff that we're starting to hear by the dental community on what they're noticing over the last nine months since we've uh, started telling people that mask wearing is what you gotta do to um, support public health. And here are some observations that have come out. Um, the impact of using face masks on oral health, um, you know, this was in uh, fine arts and dentistry, how face masks are affecting oral health. So one of the uh, things that people have reported is that face masks, since they've seen face masks, they've seen an increase in tooth decay. That's one point. The second is people are seeing people come in with more inflamed gums. Uh, the uh, third area is, uh, you know, is bad breath, which you probably heard about, and then gum disease. So again, these are being reported uh, in empirical observations by dentists and dental professionals. Again, increased tooth decay, inflamed gums, bad breath, and gum disease, okay? So we're gonna talk about how this could occur when we go deeper into the molecular system science of this. Um, this phenomenon among dentists and other dental professions is being called mask mouth. And what people are saying is if you, if you leave this un untreated, 
where you know wearing masks for several hours each day, as it says, may cause dry mouth, which in turn can lead to bad breath and possibly cavities and gum disease. And because what what people are finding is people are doing a lot of mouth breathing, and that decreases the amount of saliva and increases bad bacteria. And if left untreated, gum disease, as people know, periodontal disease can eventually lead to cardiovascular health, such as stroke and heart attack. So remember, the mouth is one of the most um, accessible areas to a lot of things. We put food in there. We put liquids in there. Uh, if you kiss people, you're talking, you're using it in many, many different ways, the mouth. And so the mouth is literally the cavity that opens up to your digestive system. And obviously, cardiologists know and other disease professionals know, we'll talk about, you know, what goes on in the mouth can definitely affect your heart. Periodontal disease and cardiovascular disease are very, very tightly linked. The uh, Robert Romandi, who I had a, a conversation with about a couple of weeks ago, we were trying to get him to come, but he was unable to join our centers event. But, you know, he's gone out publicly and he's saying, look, we're seeing, this is his quote, quote, we're seeing inflammation in people's gums that have been healthy forever and cavities in people who have never had them before. Okay. So that's what his observation is. And, you know, his advice to people is, you know, drink more water, cut down on caffeine, snag a humidifier, which is moisturize your place, you know, use an alcohol-free mouthwash, which dries the mouth, scrape your tongue and don't smoke. So, but here's a dentist in Manhattan uh, and others have noticed this, that they're seeing uh, inflammation in people's gums and cavities that they've never seen before. Let me um, also, this came out in the mail uh, online um, and, it, and it also talks about Dr. Ramondi and another dentist who said dentists declare mask mouth a new phenomenon as they see an explosion in patients suffering from tooth decay and gum disease after wearing face coverings. And two top dentists in New York City say mask wearing makes people breathe through their nose and subsequently cause their mouth to dry out. And when we get to periodontal disease, you're gonna see what that drying out can do to the, to the oral microbiome. This results in decrease of saliva in the mouth, which works to neutralize acid and prevent tooth decay and gum disease. So when you have saliva, your acidity le level goes down. When you dry the mouth, acidity level goes up. And you're gonna learn shortly, when you have a high acid environment, when you have increased temperature, that that preferentially affects certain bacteria. Your mouth has a whole bunch of bacteria. And the work we've done with researchers at Harvard and BU through our center in Cytosol, we found out there's around 700 different bacteria. And some of them are good, some of them are bad, but the environmental conditions can change that microbiome balance. So I hope that sort of gives you the background that, you know, masks have been around for a long time. There is a controversy, but more importantly, uh, dentists are starting to report clinical observations, significant observations, that they're seeing an explosive rise in gum disease as well as tooth decay. So we want to start and now go a couple levels deeper, but I also want to um, talk a little bit about the current science on masks as a prophylaxis, which means masks as a prevention. Let's really look at that because, um, you know, the CDC, for example, says the use of cloth coverings to help slow the spread of COVID-19. And it really describes how to wear a face mask. You know, they, it says it should fit snugly. It should be secured. Uh, it should include multiple layers of fabric. It should allow for breathing without restriction, and it should be, be able to be laundered and machine dried with damage 
or no change to shape. We have a friend of ours, you know, who has three or four or five, six people in their home and they have a big bucket where people throw their masks in. Apparently people are all exchanging masks. People are leaving masks in there for days, weeks. So, um, you know, it could be quite unhygienic. Uh, here's a CDC saying how we believe or their belief how masks should be worn. And it's um, hard to make everyone do this. Um, in Massachusetts, there was a governor, there was an order uh, from the governor of Massachusetts has issued an order effective Wednesday, this was May 6th, requiring face masks or cloth face coverings in public places where social distancing is not possible. And the order said this applies to both indoor and outdoor spaces. And again, this is on the Massachusetts website. They're talking about on mask.gov, how to wear masks. So broadly, there are two types of masks. We have the surgical mask, as you can see on the, on the left, and the cloth mask. There's also one that healthcare workers wear called the N95 mask. Now, the use of the personal protective equipment by, by you know, the general public is obviously, as we said, is becoming very controversial. The, the Centers for Disease Control recommend face covering for healthcare workers, for sick patients, and the general public. And you can see the most common types of masks on the left. Now, there are the uh, just simply cloth face covering where people don't wear a mask. If you notice, some people just take, uh, you know, uh, sometimes they'll take an undershirt and they'll put it over. Um, but there's no cl conclusive clinical evidence for the effectiveness of face masks. I'll repeat that. There's no conclusive clinical evidence as of today. And the possible reason is because these virus particles are too small to be filtered out. There's been quite a bit of research on this. And these are, if you go to PubMed and you look in the annals of internal medicine in respiratory care, in antimicrobial resistance and infectious control in BMGA open, various articles on the, looking at the effectiveness of surgical and cotton masks, uh, about a cluster randomized trial and cloth studies. And there's a number of them. And I just wanna share with you some of them. So this was uh, a study done on cloth masks and surgical masks, and it concluded that they're ineffective in filtering the SARS-CoV-2 um, uh, in COVID-19 patients. And what it said was, it says the size and concentration of the SARS-CoV-2 in aerosols generated and during coughing are unknown. So we don't really know how much is in there. And Oberg and Brousseau demonstrated that surgical masks did not exhibit adequate filter performance against aerosols measuring 0 0.9, 2.0, and 3.1 micrometers. And that's about 10 to the minus six meters in diameter. And Lee and colleagues showed that particles which are in the range of 0 0.04 to 0 0.2 micrometers can penetrate surgical masks, okay? So anything that's in that size, 0 0.04 to 0.2 can literally go through the surgical masks. And the size of the SARS-CoV particle uh, from the 2002, uh, 2 and 204 outbreak was estimated to be 0.08 to 0.14, right? So but essentially they can go through. And, and we're assuming that the current SARS virus has a similar size um, uh, and surgical masks are unlikely to effectively filter this virus. Here's another very interesting study that was done that was looking at cloth masks and surgical masks. And it also found them ineffective in patients. They looked at various groups of patients in uh, patients um, with pneumonia uh, who had upper respiratory infection, as well as people who had uh, pneumonia and um, acute respiratory disorder. And you know what's interesting here is neither the surgical mask that was found nor the cotton mask was effective in filtering the virus. And this is from the Annals of Internal Medicine. 
Um, another study, again, in the same study, what they discovered was neither surgical nor cotton masks effectively filter the SARS uh, virus during a coughs by infected patients. And the surgical masks are unlikely to effectively filter the virus. That was the conclusion. Um, another wonderful study in BMGA Open, they looked at multiple groups of people, people wearing the medical masks, as you see on the right. They looked at people wearing the cloth masks and then a control where people uh, didn't wear either. And this is what they found. In this case, they found that ones who wore cloth masks were 13 times more likely to get influenza-like illness compared to the ones who wore the medical mask. So the cloth masks appear to be uh, increasing the chance of getting influenza-like illness 13 times more compared to the people who wore medical masks. And the penetration particles through the cloth mask was like 97%, almost like a mosquito going through um, you know, uh, a fence. Uh, and the medical mask was 44%. So you can see um, they're not that effective and the cloth masks actually increase your likelihood of getting influenza-like symptoms. Again, this was in BMGA Open. And, um, and this study was the first randomized control study of cloth masks and the results actually caution against the use of cloth masks. And what's important is that this study said that the moisture retention and reuse of cloth masks and poor filtration may result in increased risk of infection. So, so to those people who are on the pro mask side to say, hey, I just wear it, it's not gonna hurt you. Well, that's really not true, at least from this first randomized control study. In the respiratory care uh, paper that came out, it says, it says this study demonstrated that, and they were looking at cloth masks, increase their infection risk in healthcare workers. And this study demonstrated that subjects with COPD, so if you have, a, if you have someone who has a pre-existing condition for COPD, um, who had you know, modified uh, you know, uh, what's called uh, dyspnea, which is shortness of breath, you know, and they were in a particular scale, let's say greater than three and less than 30%, uh, um, uh, the predicted wear was uh, N95 uh, wears only with care, right? So if you're gonna be in the healthcare industry and you have shortness of breath, you should be very careful about wearing the N95 mask for long periods of time. In fact, this study has said, if you wear it longer than two hours um, you know, at a time, you should be very, very careful because those masks really cover your face very, very tightly. So, the, uh, so there's a lot of other uh, evidence from studies we're wearing the N95 masks for prolonged period greater than an hour. These are what the healthcare workers wear, can risk of headaches in people prone to headaches. And for those with COPD, wearing the N95 mask increases shortness of breath and breathing comfort. Wearing the N95 mask for up to two hours did not affect those with coronary heart disease. So if you had COPD, it's gonna affect you, but if, if you uh, wear it up to two hours, it wasn't gonna affect you if you have coronary heart disease. Um, What's important to understand is that, you know, we are sucking in oxygen, we're breathing out CO2, and the gas exchange is what's important. The ratio of that gas exchange, one of the studies also found that the gas exchange was changed and it affected pregnant women uh, were affected after about an hour of use. And finally, wearing the N95 mask induced a mean 37% reduction in the air exchange volume in elderly people. So the actual volume of air that was exchanged in elderly people was reduced by 37%, close to 40%. So people with illnesses like chronic lung disease, heart disease, stroke, and pregnant women, it also reduced them, not only in the elderly, but people with some of these pre-existing conditions. Okay, so 
in the antimicrobial resistance and infection control study, um, what they showed was that breathing through the N95 mask materials have been shown to impede the gas exchange, right? So which means how much CO2 and O2 in the normal ways that they're exchanged. And it also imposes, imposes an additional workload on the metabolic system. So you have obviously a barrier. So you have to, um, you know, it's changing the workload on your breathing. Um, and so for uh, particular for pregnant healthcare workers. And so this needs to be taken into account, the study said, in, in the consideration of guidelines for these kinds of masks. The benefits of using the N95 mask to prevent serious emerging inf infectious disease, the study said should be weighted against the potential respiratory consequences associated with extended N95 respir respiratory usage. So this is really the fundamental uh, view here is that we really need to consider this balance, right? You're telling people, okay, wear the mask to mitigate risk, but is the wearing of the mask gonna cause other disease upon the individual wearing them? And so that's really the fundamental question. It's a risk reward piece. And so in that context, we're gonna really talk about oral health. It hasn't really been talked about. I think we're the first study um, in the world um, that's really going to discuss it at the molecular systems level. The dentists, as I just shared with you, have talked about it, but this is the first time we're going to go down into that level. So in summary, when you look at the masks, the CDC and the state governments are recommending and demanding masks. In fact, they're imposing fines. And the masks are recommended uh, are medical masks and cloth masks. That's what they're recommending. The N95 masks are for healthcare workers. And the medical masks and cloth masks are unlikely as the research shows, to be an effective barrier against virus transmission. So you have the governments telling people they got to wear masks. The research is showing it's really not an effective barrier. And then we're finding for healthcare workers that the N95 masks, you know, uh, perturb, disturb the O2-CO2 exchange. So if you're elderly, pregnant, you got pre-existing conditions, heart disease, you got to be very careful wearing them uh, over one or two hours. And then finally, the mask wearing, you know, there's an antisocial piece. And we haven't really discussed the long-term effects of what the social isolation leads um, uh, you know, to people. But we do know, as I've shared in another talk, when you socially distance people and you isolate them and you make them feel psychologically bad, there's sufficient research going back to 1988, the work of Stephen Cole, that it downregulates. Your body is a chemical factory. When you're isolated, when you feel distance from other people, when you're depressed, your body will actually increase inflammatory compounds, which is not good. And your body will not produce the antiviral compounds that it's capable of producing. When you laugh, when you have fun, when you have love in your life and you have connections with people, your body boosts the immune system. So there's this whole psychological aspect too. Okay. So that's really the, you know, what I can share with you today on the research. It's not a lot of stuff that's coming from, uh, there's no clinical evidence showing that they're effective but there is emerging clinical evidence showing that they could all actually be harmful uh, for certain categories of people, as I've just shared. So now what I want to now move on to is the systems, you know, oral health as a systems problem. So we need to look at the mouth, not just as a mouth, but the mouth is connected to your head. It's connected to your gut. This is where your innate immune system exists. Um, many traditional systems of medicine say most diseases start right in the mouth. So we're gonna take a systems approach to looking at the mouth. So let's let's go right there and um, let's jump right into this, okay? So first of all, here's a picture of your mouth, okay? You have the upper lip, you have the lower lip, 
We have the gums, you know, above and below. It's called the gingiva. And we have the hard palate, which is on the top of your mouth. You have the soft palate in the back. You have the, you know, what you call the little tongue back there, the uvula. You have the tongue. And then you have your gums down here, okay? So what's important to understand is from a systems approach, the health of your, uh, you, 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 the oral health really emerges uh, from the interaction of all these things. It's not just any one thing. You can't just be looking at pieces. It's, it's the interaction of your bone and your teeth. It's the interaction of your soft tissue, which includes the gums, the cheeks, right? Your tongue and the salivary glands and your oral microbiome. So it's the tissue and the oral microbiome. So what we mean by that is it's not just the parts of your mouth and the tissue, as I just mentioned, but your mouth is composed of bacterial colonies. I've talked about before, we have 6 trillion cells in the body. We have close to, you know, 60 trillion bacteria all throughout our body called the microbiome. We've identified about 700 particular bacteria in the mouth, um, but we have 60 trillion bacteria and we have a, about 380 trillion viruses. So we're actually a, a walking germ factory when you want to think about it. So the health of your oral health is not only the tissue, your bone and your soft tissue, which includes these pieces, but it's also a, the interaction of all these gut uh, bacteria, uh, I mean, the oral bacteria. And this is the heart of really understanding the effects of masks. So here are some of the common uh, oral disease. You have teeth disease, you have gum disease, you have oral cancer, and you have nomas, ulcers people get. Under teeth diseases, you call them caries, right? When you get tooth decay or cavities, or some people, the teeth diseases could be, you know, just teeth sensitivity. You know, you can't drink cold, uh, certain cold fluids. People have sensitive teeth. This is all under the rubric of teeth diseases. You also have gum diseases with gingivitis, where you literally get inflammation of the gums. Uh, and then you have a, a more adverse uh, uh, form of that, periodontitis, where you have chronic inflammation of the gums. People's gums bleed, they floss, they bleed, um, they, they, you know, they brush their teeth, they bleed, and that's not a good place to be. You also have oral cancer. Um, some people who smoke, you know, or chew tobacco get this. And then you have actually ulcers that form. But these are really the four groups of the common oral diseases. And the oral health, from a system standpoint, really drives your overall health. So I really can't overemphasize this. Your mouth really drives a lot of your entire health. And I think the public health professionals, the doctors, and those of us really wanting to have a real scientific discussion about masks as a way to public health really need to understand this part of your mouth affects many, many uh, diseases, the state of that uh, area of your mouth. So for example, heart disease, poor oral hygiene is uh, it, uh, increases risk of heart disease by 70%, 70% because the inflammation caused by peri periodontal disease may be responsible uh, for the association. And you talk to cardiologists, more of the awakened ones are really understanding. It's diabetes. It's been shown that when you have severe periodontal disease, that can increase blood sugar and contributing to increased periods of time when the body functions with a high blood sugar. Osteoporosis, osteoporosis that can lead, you know, to tooth loss because of the density of bone in the mouth that gets affected. Hypertension, gum disease, more and more evidence shows it worsens the blood pressure and interferes with medications that treat hypertension. Obviously, the stress, you know, affects the immune system and reducing the body's, you know, defense against the bacteria that can lead to gum infections. So if you're massively stressed out, socially isolated, you're going to affect the mouth disease. COPD, so poor oral health 
uh, can directly contribute to a variety of respiratory diseases. No one thought this was connected, oral health and lung health. And this can induce chronic COPD. So on the one hand, you have people who have COPD telling them to wear masks, that's gonna affect their oral health. Alternatively, the oral health is gonna have a negative uh, feedback or positive feedback and it's gonna increase more of the COPD levels. Preterm and low birth weight, women with gum disease, so women should listen to this carefully, are seven times more likely to deliver a preterm baby with low birth weight. Glaucoma, quite, quite interesting, you know, uh, you know, eye disease, oral infections can trigger a series of events where the bacteria from an inflamed truth, you know, can spread to the optic nerve. So that's why this part of the mouth is so important that, that what occurs here affects many other things. Pancreatic cancer, people with high level of specific oral bacterium are 59% more likely to get this type of cancer. And then, which is pancreatic cancer, arthritis, gum disease has been linked to arthritis, due to the inflammatory markers, which cause the inflammatory response associated with arthritis. So when you really take a step back, you can see so many diseases from arthritis to pancreatic cancer to osteoporosis um, uh, are related to oral health. So just think about that from a very systemic standpoint. Okay, so let's talk about the oral microbiome. If you notice in the slide here, we talked about the oral tissue, but I wanna really now focus in on the oral microbiome which is really something this very fascinating area of science. We're just learning a lot of stuff still. We're learning a lot of stuff of these critters that live in our mouth. And what you see in this diagram is these colors here, the, the dark, the deep yellow here, all the way to the blue, and all the different colors of the rainbow sort of here, they represent different kinds of bacteria from leptobacteria to streptococcus um, to various types of bacteria. And the mouth has various types of diversity. And I'm just looking at this little piece of the mouth right on the tooth here. And you can see the microscale zonality within the oral site. So these bacteria, just in this little piece of the tooth that you're seeing here, in the bottom of the tooth, you have a lot of one kind of bacteria. On the side of the cheek here, you have other kinds. But you can see that the oral microbiome is, first of all, it's crucial to maintaining oral health and systemic health. And there's diverse kinds of oral microbiome. The microbiome includes bacteria, fungi, viruses, archaea, protozoa, and the function of the beneficial microbiome. So listen very carefully. You have bad aspects of the microbiome and you have good stuff. The beneficial microbiome really protects the oral cavity and it prevents disease development. Very, very important to understand. So when you have the right kind of bacteria, you, these bacteria actually protect your oral cavity. They boost your immune health. And when you don't have the right kind of bacteria, well, guess what happens? That uh, you are actually gonna open yourself up to oral disease and you're actually gonna um, open yourself up to other diseases, but the right kind of bacteria in the mouth really prevent disease development. That's really the takeaway from this. And the other part of this slide, you need to understand there's whole different families and colonies and they like to hang out in certain areas, okay? So the role of the oral microbiome, it's really very important in many, many diseases. And, and this research is quite an exciting area of research but we're finding that one type of bacteria or, or part of the oral microbiome, spirochetes, you know, uh, uh, Lyme disease, a certain type of spirochete, um, it affects Alzheimer's disease, periodontitis, right? It's the, it's a gingivalis, P gingivalis, that, and, and there's a whole different set of bacteria here. I'm not gonna uh, bother you by pronouncing all of them, but this affects literally periodontitis 
as well as dental caries in your mouth, both, uh, uh, you know, in the gums as well as, you know, tooth decay. Cardiovascular disease, uh, a number of bacteria affect cardiovascular disease. Cystic fibrosis, diabetes, as we talked about, pancreatic cancer, but also rheumatoid arthritis and esophageal cancer and colorectal cancer. But if you notice in the blue here are the different types of bacteria. These are not the good bacteria. When they come up in high amounts, you, you're opening yourself up to these different diseases. Again, it's important to understand it's the nature of the bacteria that increases uh, your, the proclivity to get these diseases. Again, this is taking a systems approach. We're not just taking a singular approach, just looking at diabetes, but we're looking at an interconnected approach here. Um, so the oral immune system, so if you now, if we now wanna focus back in on what is going on in your immune system at a deep uh, level within your mouth, what we're looking at here is there's various types of fighters that your body has. We've talked about the innate immune system and the adaptive. So your body has neutrophils, which are really part of your innate immune system. It has T cells and B cells, that part of your adaptive immune system that creates antibodies. It's got monocytes and macrophages and dendritic cells. So you can see your body's got all of these types of immune cells within it, which really supports the, the you know, your oral immune health. One of the important things to understand is the oral microbiome is involved, which is all those healthy bacteria, the bad or good bacteria, depending on their balance, in how your immune cells mature. So what that means is these, so it's not, you have your immune system and then there are these bacteria. These bacteria based on their levels affect your immune system. So if you have these bacteria in the right proportions and the right kinds of bacteria, you boost your immune system. If you don't have them in the right kinds, you know, you're gonna basically create more, um, uh, you know, uh, you're gonna compromise your immune system. So part of this is to understand is that the maintenance of the immune system is controlled by the oral microbiome. And, and so, and there's a very, very delicate balance between pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory in your immune system. Look, your immune system um, has pro-inflammatory, which, which sometimes you need, you need inflammation. Let's say you cut yourself, you need the inflammatory things, but then you need the anti-inflammatory to stop them. It's like having your um, brake and pedal. If you just have gas all the time, you're gonna get inflammation and that's gonna to lead to disease. So it's a very complex system here that you wanna have proper braking and proper acceleration, pro-inflammatory, anti-inflammatory. Anti and that balance is really controlled by those bacteria in your mouth, okay? So that's what's essential here to take away that the bacteria, the oral microbiome controls your immune system. So, so now you've gotten a, a decent background on masks, you understand some of the latest research, and I've given you an overview of starting to look at the mouth from a systems perspective. So if you want to just take a couple of seconds breather and just absorb that while I take a little sip of my tea here. I think the important thing to understand here is that we need to look at the mouth as a system. We need to understand these wonderful, good and bad bacteria that microbiome in your mouth affect your oral health, but that oral health affects many, many diseases from, you know, rheumatoid arthritis to Alzheimer's, all these things. So we, we, the ankle bone is connected to the foot bone. The, unfortunately, a lot of well-meaning MDs, medical doctors, they don't learn the body as a system. They learn it as little pieces. The dentists are looking at the mouth and 
Um, some of them, the good ones are starting to see the interconnection between these diseases. But the as we transition now to going a little bit deeper, start thinking about the mouth as a systems problem. Okay, so what I'm going to share with you is right now is a, a lot of very, very uh, hot off the press research that our science team has done using the technology Cytosol to really understand what is going on at the molecular level. So now we're going to, we've looked at, you know, we're, we're going to go down, we've talked about masks, we've talked about the mouth cavity, we've talked a little bit about the bacteria. Now we're going to go down to the molecular systems level. My PhD, as some of you may know, is in a field called systems biology. I was one of the first graduates from MIT in this field. And my PhD work was in building a computational systems biology platform to really understand molecular interactions. So I'm gonna share with you a lot of that. Again, this is hot off the press research. Uh, it's called the systems biology periodontal disease. So let's talk about this. So if you look at the tooth here, you have a couple of elements of the tooth here. You have the, this is the bone over here stuff in yellow over here. You have uh, inflammation can occur right here in the gums, right? Right on the gums. And you can have plaque and calculus, which occur, you know, when you, if you don't brush your teeth well, if you haven't been to the dentist, you get this plaque and calculus. And here you can have deepening of pockets. So the most common oral disease, and this is about 80% of US adults have, is some form of periodontal disease in their life, okay? Some form of it. And the results, and, and this results from inflammation of the gums, and it affects the teeth, the jaw bones that surround and support the teeth. So when you get the periodontal disease, it's affecting not just the teeth, but the jaw bones and the structures that surround the teeth. So the risk factors of periodontal disease um, are four, okay, or three actually. One of them are called the microbial factors, which I'll talk about, number one. Then there's modifiable factors, which are things that are in your uh, you know, much more of your direct control, and then non-modifiable factors, if you believe in the genetic um, aspect, but it's a, a, a genetic or epigenetic. But the microbial factors involve, there's these various levels, various kinds of bacteria, which contribute to that. Uh, actinobacillus, you know, P. gingivalis, bacterioides, uh, and so on. But this one, P. gingivalis, where the term gingivitis comes from, is one of the most important ones that's been directly connected to periodontal disease. The other factors that you can control are people smoke or diabetes or cardiovascular disease, you know, certain drugs, antihypertensives, the antihistamines, the narcotic anal analgesics and the sedatives. These have been also shown to directly affect periodontal disease. And then people may call this non-modifiable factors, but osteoporosis certain hematological disorders and hormonal fluctuations can actually affect it. But there's really these three groups, okay? But uh, the today's talk is really gonna focus on the microbial factors. So when I want you to look at this diagram, um, and I'm gonna try to take it very slowly because you're gonna get it, learn some biology, but I think I've made this discussion such a way that's gonna be very accessible to people. But the microbial factors, so first of all, there's two types of microbial factors. Think about the orange as you know, you're going through a, a street sign and you see the orange light. The red one is where you really need to be concerned. Those are the high risk. The orange bacteria are moderate risk, but the red complex bacteria are high risk. And you can see the moderate risk bacteria. You know, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Now in the work we've been doing, we've been looking at around 700 bacteria. 
But you can see from Fusobacterium nucleatum all the way down to Campylobacter rectus, there's a whole bunch of them here. These are the bacteria that moderate risk, but the real ones that uh, are very closely associated with periodontal disease are Tanarella forsythia, P. gingivalis, and T. denticola, okay? Those are the high-risk ones. And, and, and just keep an eye on these because the, the, the three that we're going to talk about on the right side are going to keep showing up in the discussion. Now, uh, lactic acid bacteria, you know, so there's two types of bacteria here, the mutualistic, the ones that support good, that the good bacteria and the parasitic symbiosis, okay? So you have good bacteria, just to be clear, and the bad ones, right? So it's like a seesaw, you're trying to maintain them. So let's talk about this a little bit deeper. So there's a microbiome balance. So now the lactic acid bacteria produces antimicrobial proteins and bacteriosins, okay? So the lactic acid bacteria, you can think about it, are the good bacteria, right? You eat some yogurt, if you read it, it says lactobacilli acidophilus, or you can take acidophilus pills, but the, these are the ones that are in symbiosis with your body, which means they work together, they're mutual. But the lactic acid bacteria produce actually antimicrobial proteins, they're good bacteria. And these bacteria, the green ones on the left, this, this, this little orange with the hammer at the end, if you can't see that, these actually, um, these are the antimicrobial proteins, AMPs, and bacteria, bacteriosins, they stop the parasitic ones, the gram-negative bacteria. So these are called the gram-positive bacteria, and these are the gram-negative bacteria. So you have more of these bacteria on the, on the left side over here. You're going to stop the proliferation of the ones on the right. So I hope I'm being clear on that, okay? So there's a balance. Obviously, the more good bacteria you get, you stop the bad ones which want to eat away at your body. They're the parasitic ones, okay? Um, and again, going a little bit deeper, the mutualistic uh, symbiosis, which means streptococci sanguinis, sanguinis means healthy, they create a healthy periodontum, right? They create healthy structures in your body which support your oral health, okay? So these bacteria support your oral health. The parasitic ones, so if you have a lot of these, they're going to reduce these, okay? Because there's a reduction of the gram-positive bacteria. So if you reduce, I'm sorry, if you reduce these, you're going to get more of these, okay? If you have more of these, you're going to get less of these. These three bacteria, I mean, there are others, but the three I want you to focus on, these three, Treptonema, Denticola, Tanarella, Forsyth, Ennis, and P. gingivalis, these are the ones that cause periodontal disease. They're the ones that cause the sub uh, gingival pockets, okay? So the ones on the right, those three bacteria, if you want to take three away from this talk, you can just simply call it T. denticola, T. forsynthinus, and P. gingivalis, okay? These are ones that cause periodontal disease. You got a lot of these, you're going to stop them. You don't have enough of these, you're going to create this, okay? That's a key takeaway. So I'm going to now talk about each of these three bacteria, T. denticola, T for forsythinesses and P gingivalis. So I'm going to talk about each one of these. So there are the three columns of these. And what you notice here is that each one of these bacteria are involved in various types of biosynthesis. There's no homework here that you don't have to learn, but just to walk you through. So these bacteria are intimately involved. So the microbiome imbalance can lead to pathogenic bacterial growth, right? So if you don't have enough of these, you're going to get more of these. So these are the bad guys. 
okay? T. denticola, T. forsythensis, and P. gingivalis. So you can see this bacteria uh, supports flagella biosynthesis, okay? It engages in ABC transporters, iron transport, cation transport, lactate transport, citrate. These are all different kinds of biological phenomenon in your body. And this bacteria affects all of these phenomena. The, this bacteria affects a whole bunch of other types of biological phenomenon uh, from, from you know, ferric uh, uptake, which is uh, iron uptake. Um, it affects various types of proteases in your body, all right? And the P. gingivalis affects biotin synthesis. It affects, um, you know, all these other kinds of phenomena. You don't need to learn this, but the point is that these bacteria are not just, you know, hanging out by themselves. They actually affect biological function in your bodies. So these bacteria, when they're there, they're actually affecting many different biological processes in your body. That's what's important to take away from this slide here, okay? So now the microbiome imbalance, when you have imbalance in the microbiome, that's when you get virulent effects taking place, okay? So for example, these enzymes, right? They decrease fat phagocytosis, an invasion of chemota uh, chemotaxis inhibitors. Um, and they, uh, you know, make sure bone resorption takes place and you have immuno immunoglobin proteases. The bottom line is that the, the microbiome in imbalance literally leads to all sorts of virulence factors in your body. And what I did here was I wanted to just show you in a very simple way. I just want, want to walk you through this. Column one is the different bacterial factors, okay? The LPS, PGN, and LTA are different bacterial factors that these bacteria create. So think about it this way. These bacteria are oozing out, those three bad bacteria ooze out different chemicals, okay? They're factories, right? Bacteria factories, they make these chemicals. And what I'm showing you in this diagram here is that, let me make it a little bit bigger, that these bacteria directly affect different functions in your body, right? So this bacteria LPS affects uh, IL-8, which is a particular type of cytokine. And this affects a whole bunch of um, cytokines uh, in your macrophages and in your endothelial tissue and fibroblast cells and mast cells, okay? These are the host cells. So you get a lot of this, that goes in, cascades to these. PGN is another one. That affects IL-8, which affects all these chemicals. LTA affects these chemicals, so on. So, and this is a good diagram that really helps you understand how all these are interconnected. So let me walk you through this, it may look complicated. Let's take the bacteria, remember we talked about P. gingivalis, which is this guy, who's not a good guy, okay? He can eat away and cause uh, periodontal disease, but let's look at P. gingivalis. So you got a lot of these in your body, guess what it does? It affects your bone tissue, your osteoblasts, your osteoclasts, ligament cells, these are in your bone, and this leads to bone loss, okay? Directly, it can cause this. P. gingivalis also creates these virulence factors, as I talked about here, these guys, okay? These three factors, so P. gingivalis literally oozes out these chemicals, and guess what it does? That goes and affects gum tissue loss because it goes and affects the soft tissue in your body, the epithelial cells, the endothelial cells, these are in your heart, fibroblasts and keratin keratinocytes, right? And this leads to gum tissue loss, okay? 
Separately, P. gingivalis affects directly your immune system. And this has a cascading effect. The effect of your immune system further creates IL-17, which is a pro-inflammatory cytokine that exacerbates your bone tissue. You affect the immune system that creates, as we talked about, the cytokine storm. And remember, when a cytokine storm is created in your body, it's like a fire is going out of control. Your body starts attacking itself. Okay. It literally relate, uh, uh, um, results in pro-inflammatory cytokine. And so, and you can see these two crosstalk, P, P, uh, gingivalis affects this, your soft tissue gets damaged. This creates more pro-inflammatory cytokines that affect your immune system, that affects us. The key takeaway is this little bugger, this bacterium, P. gingivalis, when it goes off kilter, you're affecting many systems in your body. You're affecting your bone, you're affecting your soft tissue, and you're affecting your immune system. So just look at that for a little while. That one bacterium in high levels, P. gingivalis, bone, your soft tissue, and your immune system. You create inflammatory uh, events, and that's where you are affecting your oral health, okay? Let's continue. So the molecular pathways affected by bacteria, okay? So now we're gonna talk about what, uh, we're getting down to the bi systems biology. Again, this is uh, a lot of research we're sharing all new that there's three different systems you're affecting, gum, bone, and the immune system, okay? As we talked about here, gum right here, bone and your immune system. So that's in first column. The virulence factor is gingipans, flagellin, and LPS. These are all put out by this, okay? This bacterium puts out these chemicals. These chemicals, gingipanes affects your gum, flagellin affects your bone, and LPS affects your immune system. How does it affect it? Well, gingipanes upregulates this chemical, IL-6, IL-8, and IL-B. This leads to inflammation in your gums. Flagellin affects this chemical called rancle that causes bone destruction. And then you have LPS, which results in TNF-alpha, and that causes inflammation and the recruitment of immune cells. So the key thing that you want to see, it's a very nice diagram here. As you can see, you have the gum, you have the bone, and you have the immune system. The bacteria P. gingivalis puts out three very specific chemicals, and each one of those targets the destruction of the gum, the destruction of the bone, the destruction of the immune system using, in the case of ginger pains, these three chemicals, rankle, one chemical, and TNF-alpha. Uh, but just look at that. So one bacteria out of kilter affects all three subsystems, okay? Quite destructive what can happen with just one bacteria being out of kilter. Now, what we've done, you know, in our research, and again, you know, if, Twitter is watching or Facebook's watching, you know, what we're sharing here is research fundamentally showing that the periodontal disease is a systems disease, okay? And periodontal disease is affected by gum health. And this research we're sharing for the first time with all of you. Um, and we're gonna now talk about very shortly how mass affected, but um, as I go into this, this is literally, so we're looking at this one chemical here, gingipanes which is coming from gums, which I'm sorry, which is coming from, so think about P, P. gingivalis, puts out this one chemical called gingipanes, and we're gonna just walk through, this is all the painstaking work we've done over the last three years. We've literally looked at the, this blue is an epithelial cell, which is in your mouth, right? And we're looking at what happens when gingipanes, this thing right here on top, attacks your epithelial cell. 
And you don't need to know all of this, but what you're seeing is this chemical, which is produced by P. gingivalis, hits the cell surface and it cascades, it cleaves this protein right here, which means cuts it in half. And through a series of chemical reactions, you can see following all the way through here, guess what your body does? This, this yellow area is your nucleus, the blue is the cytoplasm. But right when this hits, it starts a chemical reaction. I'm just gonna trace it through here, here. It opens up the calcium two ion channel and then it phosphorylates, a chemical reaction occurs here and here inside your DNA. In, so this little thing that was released from the bacteria, P. gingivalis, causes a series of reactions which results in these three cytokines being produced, IL-8, IL-6, more IL-8, and IL-1-beta. These are inflammatory cytokines which lead to, as I shared here, inflammation, okay? So basically, we're literally for the first time showing the mapped out chemical reactions of what leads literally to these markers which cause inflammation, number one, okay? The second thing I wanna talk about is flagellin, which is also released by that bacterium. What you can see here is when a flagellin hits your osteoblast, remember this goes and affects your bone cells. This affects your epithelial cells. This affects your bone. So flagellin hits TLR5, and again, a whole bunch of chemical reactions occurs here. And this affects your osteoblasts, and bang, you get this chemical called rankle being produced. And as we showed your rankle literally causes bone destruction. So again, for the first time, we've mapped out all of these molecular pathways leading to the reactions going into your genome and, and telling your uh, DNA to produce this chemical called rankle, okay? Again, caused by flagellin to rankle. Next one is LPS. Again, LPS, as I mentioned, is again created by that bacterium, which results in the formation of TNF-alpha, and this is how that's done. Again, first time we're sharing this, this affects your immune cells. So you get a beautiful immune cell, the LPS lands on it, it causes all these chemical reactions, again, affects your genome, and your body produces this very inflammatory cytokine called TNF-alpha, all right? So that's what we've shared. So again, this summary slide says it all. These three chemicals created by this uh, results in attack on your gum, your bone, and immune system. And what you're seeing here for the first time is a mapping, the molecular systems mapping of these three very deep molecular systems, all right? So now we're gonna wrap up. How's everyone doing? Let me see if everyone's, is everyone doing okay? Is this getting too complicated? Are everyone with me? Let me see what people are saying. Okay. Some people are saying it's sad. We have to wear masks eight to 10 hours a day. TNF, exactly. It's too mis, okay, people are, people are cool. Everyone's cool, okay. Uh, someone's saying too technical for me. Okay, well, I'll try to keep it simple. The high level picture is, you have these bacteria in your mouth journey for praise that the, the bad bacteria create three chemicals. We're looking at one of the bad bacteria, P. gingivalis, it creates three chemicals. These three chemicals, one preferentially attacks your gums, another one attacks your bone, and the other one attacks your immune system. I hope that's clear. And uh, you don't have to get into all the details. Some of you may wanna know it, but these three chemicals are being created by this bacterium and they go can have destructive effects on your gum, your immune system, as well as your bone, okay? Okay, someone said, don't be a mask hole. All right, very good. Um, good, all right. So now we're gonna wrap up with how do masks affect all this, okay? 
you put a mask over your mouth, what is that doing to this area of your mouth? And how is that affecting this oral microbiome? Is it affecting it, okay? That's what we wanna talk about now, okay? And I wanna arm you, again, with some very, very new science about this. So the effects of masks on oral microbiome implications for oral health. So now let's talk about it. By the way, so let's look about, uh, they have, you know, thermographs on, you know, what happens when you look at someone's face. So the effects of masks on temperature regulation. So this is someone's face without a mask. You see all the uh, red there. You see the, the green around and the blue, which is not that much, but the, this area is where you have a lot of temperature. Um, and what you, what we, and this is when people wear the masks, okay? Right around here when people are starting to wear masks. And what do we see here? Wearing face masks creates a microenvironment around the mouth and the nose. So what you're really doing is you're literally creating a little area around this area, right? I've put something here. So now the, the free mouth nose area has something covering it. And this creates what we call a microenvironment. It's like literally you're, you're creating a dome around this area, you're building a little structure here. And what is that actually doing? So this micro uh, environment, first of all, it impacts the heat exchange significantly, right? You know, you're not, uh, obviously if you didn't have the mask, right? Um, you would have free flow of uh, CO2 and O2. You've, you're changing that as that one research showed. The other thing that we're gonna do is we're actually gonna change the temperature, right? That's what's called a heat exchange. HVAC guys know this, okay? Um, now the respiratory heat loss, which means you know when you breathe out, you're also getting rid of heat in your body, right? You breathe in and you breathe out, you're getting rid of heat. Now that is gonna be impaired because you're not able to breathe out easier and especially if you were doing um, you know, um, mouth breathing and especially if you cover your nose. So that's gonna increase the heat inside that microenvironment. And the facial temperature from research uh, has risen as, as high as 1.5 to two degrees, okay? So to simply put, you're covering this area, the heat exchange is inhibited. I don't think anyone will argue with this. Um, and what you're doing is you're gonna increase the temperature of this area by 1.5 to two degrees. You know, a lot of the people are into the climate change stuff, they're you know concerned with one degree, half a degree increase. Well, you're increasing, you're changing the complete dynamics of this area, the climate of this area, it's going up from 1.5 to two degrees when you wear masks. Now this is just, you know, we're talking about the cloth masks, right? We're not even talking about the N N95. Um, actually, this was done on the N95 too, I'm sorry, um, both. I'm, I meant to say that we're not talking about the surgical mask, the, I'm sorry, the cloth mask, we're looking at the surgical and the N95 mask. So the face is extremely important for thermal re regulation of the body. One of the things to remember from an evolutionary standpoint, we have these amazing thermal receptors here. You know, this is why, you know, when people are being intimate, this whole area is very sensitive. Um, and we have a lot of ability to sense heat, uh, cold, right? This is why when people cover their shawl, uh, you know, they cover your mouth and you go out when it's cold because this area signals your entire body. It's like the thermometer of your whole body, that thermometer that this area is extremely sensitive. If you look at most animals, this is when they sniff around, they're sensing temperature. So this area has some of the uh, the highest density uh, of thermal receptors, which means it's the thing that's measuring heat. And the oral temperature increase, um, uh, you know, can go from 0.111 to 
to 0.27 degrees Celsius here, okay? And the difference in oral temperature using different types of masks that should show here. So surgical mask 0.1, N95 mask for 0.2, and, and that's what came out in this research. This research showed um, that it was 1.5 to 2. This was some research done um, in another paper. Now, the effect of temperature on oral bacteria. So first thing we wanna talk about is we've talked to you about the bacteria, we've talked to you about P. gingivalis, but what happens when you wear masks? Do masks affect the bacteria? Well, let's look at it. First of all, the effect of temperature on oral bacteria. And look what you see right here. These, this is all the different things that affect oral bacteria in your mouth. Well, people have shown it's genetics. It can be environmental factors, habits and lifestyle, you know, what you eat, your circadian rhythm, your ethnicity, genetics. But right here, what was also found was temperature. So oral cavity is kept constant at a reasonably constant temperature between 34 to 36 degrees. That's what the oral cavity is uh, kept at. Now the oral microbiome is sensitive to changes in temperature and prolonged higher temperatures may lead to high inflammatory oral environments. So let me just summarize that. Your body typically wants to have around 34 to 36 degrees Celsius and the oral microbiome, all those bacteria we talked about are very sensitive to temperature. That's what this research showed here that I'm uh, sharing with you that th this microbiome in your mouth is sensitive Many factors affect it, genetics, but yes, temperature also affects it. And the, and the longer you, um, you have higher temperatures, this may lead to inflammatory oral environments. So if you're wearing an N95 mask for eight hours, you're definitely gonna change the oral microbiome. Um, and again, this varies by genetics, right? One size does not fit all. Some people may be fine. They can wear masks all the time, but some people may not be. But remember, 80% of Americans at some point are getting periodontal disease, which means you have the fluctuations going on with their oral microbiome. So the point of this slide here is to say that the oral microbiome is affected by temperature, okay? Step one, that's a key takeaway. And we know from here, from these two research, that face masks increase temperature. So you're increasing temperature when you wear masks and the, 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 the bacteria in your mouth are affected by temperature. Okay, now the effect of temperature in oral bacteria and periodontal disease, let's now talk about that. Now the changes in oral temperature may induce differential functional gene expression in the oral bacteria. What that means is based on the temperature, different um, uh, effects are gonna occur to different bacteria. Now over a long period of time, these changes may favor pathogenic bacteria, but not the beneficial bacteria. So as the temperature rises, this has been associated with the presence of pathogenic bacteria. And the increase in this, the pathogenic, which means the bad bacteria, will subsequently cause periodontal disease. So let me just explain that simply put. We know that when you wear the mask, temperature goes up, okay? We know that changes in temperature affect the quality of the bacteria in your mouth. We also know that when you have high temperatures, the research is showing, you're gonna stimulate the bad bacteria. Okay, higher temperatures stimulate bad bacteria and temperature affects oral health. Okay, T temperature affects the quality of that bacteria. So that's this very simple thing. You wear masks, increase temperature, increase temperature, you're gonna increase the pathogenic bacteria, okay? So that's temperature, right? There's two aspects here, the temperature of your mouth 
and what's called the acidity, okay? Acidity means, you know, you can have, uh, you've heard of battery acid, right? You can have an alkaline environment or an acidic environment, okay? Um, people talk about, you know, eat, eat greens and leafy greens. You increase the alkalinity of your body. You, you know, drink, you eat certain foods like coffee. You increase the acidity of your environment. You don't get enough water in your mouth. You're going to increase the acidity, okay? So we've talked about temperature affecting the bad bacteria, increasing temperature. But another thing affects bacteria is the acidity, is the acidity in your mouth, which is denoted by pH. A high pH means you have low acidity, sort of the inverse. A lower pH, pH between 1 to you know, 6.999, meaning you're in the acidic range. 7 is neutral pH. 7, I mean, 7 point, you know, 001 or 7.1 to 14 is known as the basic or alkaline pH, okay? So let's talk about this now. So effects of mass on oral pH. Wearing masks over extended periods, what does that do? Well, it's going to reduce your salivary flow, which means you're not going to have as much fluid in your mouth. And that's going to accept the, uh, upset the microbial balance in the oral cavity. And the saliva, remember, the saliva in your mouth is crucial for the maintenance of the oral pH, the microbiome nutrition, which means if you, you need to feed the good bacteria, right? They need to have proper saliva. It supports lubrication and cleansing, and it protects the immune system. So you wear masks, you're going to reduce salivary flow, which means you're going to have less lubrication. Your, your body doesn't sort of self-cleanse itself. You're reducing the immune system. You're not giving the microbiome, the good bacteria, proper nutrition, and you're going to affect the oral pH. Now, the oral cavity in your body is kept at a reasonably constant pH between 6.75 and 7.25. That's the range it's at. It's a, you know, a little bit acidic and a little bit basic. It's between 6.75 and 7.25. So this is a wonderful uh, uh, piece of research that we were able to find in our work. Um, and I think this really pretty much says it all, okay? So think about, as we said, it's a seesaw, right? You want balance. Now, the blue stuff here are the beneficial bacteria and the orange stuff is the bad guys, okay? Like the P. gingivalis, okay? So look what happens here. If your pH goes up, which means you have alkaline pH, which is good, and there are things that help you do that, the bacteriosins, and where do those bacteriosins come from? When you eat lactobacteria, things like yogurt, acidophilus, et cetera. So when you have the good bacteria, proteases and hydrogen peroxide, very valuable for this, you increase the pH, okay? You get more of the healthy bacteria right? And you have a healthy biofilm. Now, when you have low saliva flow, pH goes down, more acidity. So you, and guess what happens? You get more virulence factors, those three chemicals, and you get readily fermentable carbohydrates and you have the disease biofilm. And look at, you get all these oranges, which are uh, the bacteria like P. gingivalis. So again, to keep it simple, you have the nice balance when you, when you're eating all the good nutritious, uh, you know, types of lac LAB, lactobacillus, the acidophilus, you get better bacteria, you get less biofilm, healthier gums, healthier teeth, healthier bone, you start now reducing the salivary flow in your, in your, in your mouth, okay, you ink, you lower the pH, which means higher acidity, lower pH, higher acidity, 
and the critters start coming out, okay? The P. gingivalis, those things start putting out those virulence factors, which go destroy your bone, which go destroy your gums and your immune health. But this is a wonderful diagram. So the issue is this, you know, we see a lot of signs out there, no entry with face masks and we're taught, okay, this is good, right? Check mark is good. And wearing, an, uh, wearing a mask is good, check mark. And, you know, not wearing a mask is bad. So this is, look at this for a second. This is what we're being taught. We're being told by quote unquote science that wearing the mask is a good thing and not wearing the mask is a bad thing. And we've just summarized that one of the important things is that we've shown with the cloth masks and the medical masks, the virus particles go through it in the case of the medical masks, I mean the surgical masks at 44, the medical and surgical masks at 44%, and then the, um, the cloth masks at 97%. So it's literally a mosquito going through chicken wire, right? And then we have the argument saying, well, it's not gonna hurt you, right? So just wear it. Well, what we see here is, is that in fact true from the discussion we've just had? Well, it turns out this is really not true because maybe when you really look at this, right? We're talking about all of these factors, right? This bacteria, these orange guys, ooze out all of these things, which lead to all of this destructive cytokines. So the real issue is no entry without face mask. We should really question this because one could argue that the guy without the mask, because he's having proper flow, he's having good saliva, he's, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, he, he doesn't have the dryness, he doesn't have, you know, the, um, as we talked about here, let's go back to this. We're talking about the pH and we're talking about the temperature increase, right? So two things in this condition, you're getting your, your, your body temperature is the same and your pH is, is alkaline. Is this one could argue, this is a better situation than this situation. That's really the question here. So I really want you to think about this slide and we're going to be bringing this out more to the public is that our findings at the molecular systems biology level, are really showing that mask wearing has the proclivity, you know, again, all of us are different, but the proclivity to A, create more of the dry mouth, which means less saliva, lowering your pH, increasing your temperature, which increase the conditions for the P. gingivalis and other unhealthy bacteria, which we know cascade, as we've just talked about here, to all these three chemicals, which lead to destruction of bone, which lead to destruction of the, the, the soft tissue, as well as immune health. So that's really the question. So what are the implications for oral, oral health as we talked about? Well, if you have these bad bacteria or oral microbiome are off, you're setting yourself up for all these different kinds of diseases. And this is why I think, I hope you're being armed with this. So when governments are mandating us to wear these, this is good for you, my view is what our research is showing is if you're affecting the oral health in your body, you're starting to open yourself up from a public health standpoint to heart disease, diabetes, osteoporosis, hypertension, anxiety, COPD, you know, with women, preterm and low birth weight, glaucoma, pancreatic cancer, and arthritis. And this is a systems approach. This is a much more public health systems approach. This is a problem with most of medical doctors who learn medicine, they're looking at, they don't look at the elephant, they see a little piece of it. 
And because they see a piece of that, they're not looking at the totality of the solution. And as I've always said, maybe we should talk about boosting the immune system versus just telling people, I'm gonna vaccinate you. I'm just gonna give you the mask here and we're done. It's sort of basically an adolescent solution. What we're talking about here is that the mask wearing from our research, again, hot off the press, increases temperature, which we know by fact, lowers pH, increases acidity. These two phenomena, these two gears are going to increase the proliferation of bad bacteria in your mouth. And those bad bacteria in your mouth are going to increase gum disease, cavities, and affect your immune health. And perhaps this is why the clinical observations we're seeing here by Dr. Ramondi is ex ex explicable by what I've just shared here, and I believe it is. I believe this research really explains it for the first time what's going on. And again, we've talked about this. The role of the microbiome affects all these diseases, Alzheimer's, periodontis, cardiovascular disease, cystic fibrosis, you know, esophageal cancer, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis. So there you go, okay? When we take a molecular systems approach, we start finding out the truth about masks and oral health. And what I've shared with you today points to the fact that anyone who tells you, oh, just wear the mask, it's not gonna, you know, just wear it because it's not gonna hurt you. Well, it's not true. It's not true. The emerging clinical data from uh, dentists who are speaking up about this shares that they're seeing an explosive growth in gum disease and periodontal disease. And then we're also seeing what, what I've just shared with you, we have a molecular systems biology explanation for this. So this is not just, you know, some baseless stuff. This is not conspiracy theory. Um, this is actually science. And let's open it up to questions. Jen, if you're there, if you can help me a little bit with questions, what do we have here? Uh, so what do we have? Uh, thank you. Someone said, thank you, Dr. Shiva. I knew that intuitively. Exactly. You probably know this. I don't think we see a lot of animals wearing masks. Um, someone said this, we need to sue, uh, uh, we, need, we need mass sue the government. Look, if the government truly cares about public health, I would say let's really talk about boosting the immune system, vitamin D3, vitamin C, iodine, vitamin A, zinc, quercetin, these kinds of things, which really boost the immune system. Instead of talking about that, Simply telling people to wear masks all day, simply telling people to get ready to be forced vaccinated, this is not scientific. This is really sort of, frankly, reductionist science at best and fake science at worst. What else do we got? Um, why do why do Fauci and Gates start population? Why don't start the population by killing themselves first? That would help. They could lead by example. Okay. Uh, what do you think of lactobacillus that's in products like Goo Belly? Look, the bottom line is um, the healthy bacteria people have known for centuries in traditional medicines, the fermented foods, the sauerkraut, the yogurts, you know, the kimchi, all of these things support your gut microbiome, you know, support your teeth. Obviously, you know, some of the, uh, I'm gonna do another talk coming up. That's why I want all of you to join the vashiva.com community because some of this stuff, we don't wanna be censored. We're gonna be offering those videos within our community just to take a quick break to explain that. All of you who are listening can literally join the movement for truth, freedom and health. I encourage all of you to go here and support this movement so we can continue this research. 
If you go join the movement, you can sign up. You can join the movement. It's absolutely free. We're starting to, for those of you who want to donate, because we, we're spending uh, a lot of money and effort on building up infrastructure. But I don't want you to just take your money when you support our movement. We give you lots and lots of educational programs. So please take advantage of that. But this is really a community effort where we want to educate you. But we're going to actually start talking about if some of you are being forced to wear masks in your work, what can you do to support your oral microbiome? But on the legal side, I think what I want to arm you with here today is that you have some scientific basis now to potentially, someone said, to challenge governments that, okay, you want me to wear masks. You know what? I may have to sue you because you're affecting my oral health. And are you ready to be sued for that? And we may really need to uh, think about this in a very uh, deep way. Okay. Uh, someone says, love listening to the information. You're welcome. Um, let's see. What else? Someone says our Canadian government needs to pay attention to this, but unfortunately they have a political agenda to fulfill. Someone just said truth, freedom, and oral health. Great. Thank you. Uh, okay. Someone says, how do we get this info to our government officials and medical officials? Look, the videos that we're sharing here, we're going to be putting on our internal community. We're going to be making short videos of these. You guys can, when you join the community, it's absolutely free. We're going to make small bite-sized videos available so you can take them and then you can share them on social media so no one can shut down one person. Okay. Someone just said, Crystal said, yes, you can join vashiva.com slash join. Join there and support the movement. By the way, someone said sauerkraut. Yes. Sour yogurt with sauerkraut on the bottom. LOL. Yep. That could be interesting. But look, the many, many cultures over the years, most traditional cultures always have some type of thing to support the lacto, you know, lactobacillus, right? In Indian culture, after you finish a meal, you always, you know, have uh, some type of yogurt. Um, other cultures have sauerkraut or kimchi. You know, people over the centuries learn that you really got to support the good bacteria. Yeah, by the way, someone just said, I'll be taking your class soon. I, I can't overemphasize you know, where we are at now is we really need to build a movement for truth, freedom and health. And so our Senate campaign has expanded to something much bigger where every Saturdays, you know, my goal is to educate 50,000 truth, freedom and health leaders. And let me just sort of share that with you again. That's what we're doing with our truth, freedom and health movement right here. So I, I want everyone to take time to go up there. It says, welcome to the movement for truth, freedom and health. Weaponize yourself with the ultimate education. And it says, our movement is the only political force that will destroy the establishment to return power back to you, the working people. Our success is based on developing an educated community of truth, freedom, and health leaders. You can join this community at no cost to get access to exclusive educational videos, scientific content with opportunity to register for live workshops. But separate from that, um, every weekend, every Saturday, I'm running a workshop. And those of you who donate to it, uh, 25, 50 bucks, you get access to it and you get access to a whole bunch of other things. So please take advantage of that. Again, uh, you, this is an opportunity for you guys to support this larger movement that we're building, a bottoms up movement. We're also starting to build our own infrastructure so no one can shut us down. Because I did some great videos on vitamin D3, 10, 20 million people saw it and people like YouTube shut it down, okay? And then they, then afterwards, 
when even the medical community started saying that they put it back up. So we don't want to wait. So we're going to be building using a lot of the technology capabilities, our own process. We're literally building a truth, freedom and health community so we can make the science accessible to all of you. So please take support it, uh, be a part of it. And when you support us, we're going to support you. OK, um, what do we got here? Someone says, uh, I don't have Zoom. I only have a cell phone. I do have access to your website. Good. Well, you can get on um, through your web. We'll also make the videos accessible directly through VA Shiva Live. So join that also. Okay. If there's no other questions, it is 849. Um, what do you guys think? Was this valuable? I know I hit you with a lot of information. In summary, we've covered a systems approach looking at, at, at the whole mouth. We've covered the current research on masks. We've also covered at a deep level the molecular systems of periodontal disease. And then we've showed that masks affect two important variables which affect the mouth, temperature, increased temperature, lower the pH, acidity, and those two gears literally affect the oral microbiome, these bacteria, these critters. And when those critters get too high, they will start creating chemicals which go attack your bone, your soft tissue, and your immune health. So please share this with your medical professionals. You have a lot of information here. You can go educate medical doctors. You can go educate your dentist. You can go educate politicians. Or we can all together use this knowledge to raise some hell when people say, I'm going to force you to wear masks. Anyway, thank you, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I hope this was valuable to you and your family. But please join the movement for truth, freedom, and health. We're expanding it. Support us in whatever way you can. You know, sign up so you get access to a lot of the great videos and support us. When you support us, I support you with more education. Thank you very much. Have a good evening.